Welcome to a special New Year's edition of False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that looks back at what happened last week, or in this case, last year, and then looks ahead, I suppose, to next week and next year, and uh, wrings our hands and shakes our heads and rolls our eyeballs about all of the insanity afflicting today's world. And with me, somebody who's been critiquing some important and uh, neglected, censored aspects of the insanity for a very long time, Dr. E. Michael Jones of CultureWars.com. Welcome, Mike. How are you? Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's, uh, it's can't be that much worse of a 2024, starting out with uh, genocide going on. We'll see how, how that goes. Well, let me uh, turn to my studio monitor here, which is off to the side and start sharing our slideshow, which may take a second because for some reason, uh, this computer I've got right now is running real slow, but it uh, it's fast enough to, to run the show. So here we go with our slideshow of the week and indeed the year. And this is our image. And you know, Mike, you may be having a flashback here because this is kind of the same image that we did last year. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I poached it. Anyway, uh, how's the flashback? yeah no not flashbacks no hot flashes either so sorry <laughs> that's good yeah i guess our wives can deal with those so uh yeah 2023 into 2024 um we have a great uh image here for you of next year in palestine uh the jews famously do a mazel tov toast uh to next year in jerusalem but once they actually got there it was uh, hell on earth and genocide. So we have to now uh, raise our own toast to next year in Palestine. Uh, I, I'm, of course, not going to be drinking anything inebriating, um, but you're welcome to, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> next year in Palestine, what next? Well, what next is our music video of the week and or the year. It's been a popular rubric, so we have to keep doing it. This was from RT. RT put out a great New Year's music video, so we're going to play that for you. Nadam noelit ya yet vol mi vete on takoi jeka kriya. Yanusti ya idu da kansa. Yanusti maya krova tatsa. К американским выборам допилим. В следующем году будет интересно. Годовой доклад окончен. С Новым годом. Служу Okay, that's our uh, our Happy New Year's uh, video from RT. Yeah, and this is where they published it. Uh, looked like a pretty good New Year's party they're having over there in Moscow, Mike. Yeah, Ruski. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ruski. I have, I, have a, uh, I have a Russian daughter-in-law, and I have uh, children who speak uh, uh, Russian. Uh, the, the older grandchildren speak Russian. I have a, a, an anecdote. Uh, my, uh, one of my grandchildren is, goes to school in Dearborn, uh, which is the Muslim capital of uh, Michigan. You speak Arabic, and, and he, uh, he he accidentally uh, butt dialed his uh, Russian grandmother and started talking to his Russian grandmother in Russian to the amazement of all the uh, Arab, the Lebanese, the Arabs, the Muslims in the room. And they all said at one point, 
hey, Isaac's not white. <laughs> yeah, I guess Russians are now honorary non-whites as well. In fact, pretty pretty much, I think, uh, pretty soon all the Goyes are going to be uh, considered less than fully white or maybe I don't know. Or maybe it's I don't know. We, we better not get into that uh, because racism is the I'm worst telling you, this, this is the vo voice of the people out of Dearborn, Michigan. Voice of the people. OK, well, it's going to be a good new year over there in Moscow where they're election rigging and taking over uh, Biden and they won't even need to have to take over Trump this year. Let's do our public service announcements. This is how you can donate money to keep false flag weekly go news going into 2024. Just go to truthjihad.com. It hijacks you to an Icelandic site. Don't worry, it won't harm your computer. Uh, click on False Flag Weekly News, that link down there in the lower right-hand corner where the arrow is leading, and it will take you to the page of the weekly show, which this is a, this is our show this week. Uh, number one is, on the list of huge numbers of stories uh, is always the fundraiser. Just click on that link. takes you to our fundraiser. We had a very slow fundraiser uh, a little bit back. So help us catch up and then we'll be off and running for the new year. Uh, another uh, slightly slow fundraiser there, but we did really well for next week for whatever reason. Anyway, let's just launch the show and stop worrying about paying for it. Uh, here's a, oh, another PSA though. Uh, Oakland has been shutting down shipping to Israel. I guess they're working with the Houthis over there in Oakland. It's block the boat. Hey, Mike, uh, is are we allowed to like recommend that people donate to block the boat, or will be we be listed as terrorists if we do that? You're you're already a terrorist, so for, so forget about it. It's too I late to your, worry about it. <laughs> I saw your uh, the attack, the ADL attack on you on your Substack thing. So uh, the the only consolation we have is that there are more and more people in the same situation, and at a certain point, the whole narrative is going to break down because this whole attack on conspiracy theorists and anti semites is not going to hold water anymore. Yeah, it has kind of uh, gotten past its due date. Its shelf life is expiring and all of that. And and so here's another illegal public service announcement from False Flag Weekly News. Uh, boycott Israel, even though all the states now have laws telling you that you can't or you will be uh, thrown into a maximum security dungeon or something. And over in the UK, you get locked up in the Tower of London, which I understand has better accommodations. But in any case, here are the things you can boycott if you want to become an arch criminal by boycotting Israel, just go to this website, the Islamic Foundation, or I'm sorry, the islamicinformation.com and uh, news slash and a list of brands for Israel. Okay, so that's our public service announcements. Let's get into the breaking news, which this week and this year happens to be good news. Uh, Electronic Intifada broke the news this morning that South Africa has invoked the Genocide Convention. They're taking the Zionist genocidal entity to the world court. And this is what uh, people like Sam Husseini have been arguing for quite vociferously for a month and a half or two months already. And it's great to see that it finally happened. So, Mike, is there any chance that this will put significant pressure on Israel and get them to stop the genocide? Francis Boyle thinks that it will. What do you think? Yeah, well, I defer to Francis Boyle. He's an expert on this type of thing. And if he's optimistic, then I have to be optimistic. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, a, I don't know whether there's such a thing as an international lawyer. But uh, if he thinks it's uh, possible, then then I'm, I'm encouraged. Yeah, it's the deal is the World Court, apparently, unlike your National Criminal Court or ICC, is not 100% rigged uh, by the Western powers led by the United States. 
So some meaningful pressure at least can be generated. Uh, Boyle says that this is a body blow from which the Zionist entity will never recover. So let's hope that he's right. All right, that's the good news. Now let's do like 100 stories worth of bad news from this weekend this year, starting with this week. All right, the Zio Biden stories. Mother Jones, which is usually a pretty establishment, you know, fake left kind of outlet, had a pretty informative article this week about how Biden became America's top Israel hawk. Wait a minute, Biden, the top Israel hawk? I thought the Republicans were more hawkish on Israel than Biden. Well, no, actually, Biden's mentor was Henry Scoop Jackson, the patron saint of neoconservatism. So interestingly, it seems that we ended up with a neoconservative Democratic president in sheep's clothing, thanks to whoever those Zionist billionaires were who decided to torpedo Bernie Sanders by uh, throwing everything behind Joe Biden right ahead of the South Carolina primary. Are our elections being controlled behind the scenes by Zionist billionaires, Mike? Uh, only uh, certain Zionist billionaires. No, I, I think the problem here is the vocabulary. Uh, people consistently use the word neoconservative as a euphemism for Jew. This is obviously not the case with uh, with Biden, even though Biden does go back to scoop Jackson. That's you're right. That's where the neoconservatives gained a foothold, a foothold in American politics. That's where it began, began in the 1970s when they were trying to get Russians, i.e. Jews out of Russia. Uh, and Biden is part of that. But you, if you're constantly using the word neocon, you, Biden disappears. That's the problem with that. Because he's not a neocon. Anthony Blinken is not a neocon. These are not conservatives in any way, shape, or form. And so by doing that, you disguise the fact that the Jews control both parties. That's the big issue. That's the big issue that we have to face in political life. Okay. And by, by the Jews here, we're mostly talking about those particular Jews who are hardcore uh, Israel supporters and who want a very uh, aggressive, bellicose, armed to the teeth U.S. empire, totally going the distance for Israel. And that's probably not all American Jews that are part of that neocon camp. One of the issues is what happened to the, the, the Jews over this period of time. Before 1967, Jews were uniformly uh, leftist uh, communists in their orientation. And that was the big shift. I think it was disillusionment with the civil rights movement in 1967 that led them to break their allegiance with the with the left and become left, which is Jewish internationalism, i.e. Trotsky and Karl Marx, and switch to Jewish nationalism, i.e. Herzl and and uh, all those other people. So it's you you can't go on with this constant confusion here unless you use the right terms. Okay, well, Mike, I will give you some credit for being ahead of the curve, taking the J word in vain at a time when many of us were reluctant to do that. And after what happened in the past couple of months, a lot of us are becoming less reluctant. Uh, how about Alistair Cook's analysis here that it's not Biden outsmarting Bibi, but the other way around? Uh, Biden thinks that he can deal with Hezbollah get uh, you know negotiate to get them to withdraw away from the border and of course that's not going to happen Bibi knows that but maybe Biden doesn't uh Bibi knows that the the settlers are out of control and will remain that way Biden pretends that they can be brought under control and finally uh Bibi knows that the Houthis are not going to stop blockading Israeli shipping in the Red Sea and Biden hopes there could be some kind of diplomatic way to get them to stop so uh according to Crook's analysis Biden is an idiot 
and uh, BB knows what's actually going on. So Biden is getting outsmarted. Is is Crook right? Yeah, I think Biden is is an idiot. I mean, uh, uh, let's put it—he may be senile, maybe a, a more accurate term. But again, here we have to be uh, exact in our terminology. What we're are we talking about Biden or are we talking about Biden's minion, the the four hundred and fifty seven Jews in the Biden administration who basically run everything because Biden is incapable of running anything. Biden's incapable of getting out of the room after a press conference by himself. So it's 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 deceptive to use the word Biden here. I think it's deceptive. Maybe we should you're just not call it with Biden or, or maybe Let's, BM. See, you're dealing Netanyahu is outsmarted Biden's minion. No, they work hand in glove. It's He's the part same of the team. minion. He's he part of part. the minion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, so it's not Biden is is one of Netanyahu's minions in in a different spelling of that word. Anyway, moving on to more BB and Biden news. Uh, Biden is taking credit for stopping BB from a preemptive uh, all-out attack on Hezbollah shortly after October 7th. This is what the Wall Street Journal says. I'm skeptical. What do you think? I don't. I think it's exactly what I said the last time. It's Biden's minion hmm. who's deciding. Is deciding this is probably not a good idea strategically for the for the IDF. I don't think it's Biden. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think he yeah. decides anything. Look, the whole point of uh, the uh, in Middle East politics is that the United States steps in, lets them trash, lets the Israelis trash somebody or other, and then they step in and say, okay, it's over now, and we're not going to send you any more weapons. That doesn't happen anymore. There's no one who can do that anymore. They, that's why it's continuing as long as it has. The last guy, as I know uh, or remember or hear, who tried this was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon told whoever it was at that time, Golda Meir, that uh, no, we're not sending you any more weapons. And then she apparently threatened to set off a nuclear device in the Soviet Union and blame it on America. And at that point, uh, Nixon backed down and restocked their weapons. Now, maybe Henry Kissinger played a role in that. Uh, probably did. But I mean, that's the last time I remember some American president standing up to Israel, playing the proper role of America. Well, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a while. I guess uh, George H. W. Bush tried to sell AWACS to Saudi Arabia, and they made him a one-term president. Uh, and uh, Bill Clinton uh, was pushing for more concessions and a two-state solution, and they made him a uh, crippled, a hobbled second-term president by sending uh, Monica Lewinsky into his sights. So I, I think presidents have been much more timid in their very mild gestures of supposedly standing up to the most extremist forces in Israel. But Biden is kind of almost setting a new record and, you know, posing as somebody who might do that, but totally capitulating at every level. Makes you wonder if he'll ever stop anything that Israel's doing under any circumstances. But even so, Israel's losing. So it's not going to be Biden that stops them. It's going to be the axis of resistance and world public opinion, some combination thereof. Uh, here's uh, this piece by Paul Rogers from The Guardian pointing out that their, the Zionists are losing this war. They can kill huge numbers of civilians. It's up to 30,000 now, but they can't defeat uh, Hamas fighters on the ground. You know, Today, they took more huge losses, even as they were blowing up tunnels and, and crowing about it. 
so it seems like their real power is diminishing. They're going to come out of this much weaker than they were ahead of it, which again makes me think that the whole theory that this is all a big false flag seems somewhat dubious because what Israeli strategist would be insane enough to think that this is actually going to be winnable? I think that one of the most telling details in that article was the fact that uh, the Israelis suffered a major loss uh, in territory that they, they already supposedly occupied. Well, if, <laughs> they, 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 they obviously Hamas came out of the tunnels and inflicted a big, uh, killed t 10 Israelis and attack on two, two armored vehicles. Well, it's obviously you're not occupying the territory if that's the case. And the question is then, well, if you occupy all of Gaza and it still happens, do you really occupy Gaza? And this has been happening at a constant. This isn't the only time this has happened. Uh, there have been repeated uh, massive attacks with uh, heavy casualties uh, on the IDF in the precise areas that they claim that they occupy ever since they went into Gaza. So, yeah, they're uh, they're losing militarily, but they can certainly keep killing civilians until somebody tells them to stop. And we'll see who that is. Maybe it's the Houthis. Uh, that is the Yemeni government, because the so-called Houthis are, in fact, the legitimate government of Yemen at this point. And John Helmer wrote this great piece about how the Houthis are correctly identifying ships that are operating on behalf of or owned by Israel or going to Israel. Those are the only ones that they're stopping. They're letting Russia, China, and everybody else go through. And that has changed everything, according to Pepe Escobar in his brand new piece, which uh, also makes a lot of good points. Uh, is Pepe's optimism warranted, Mike? Well, one of the things they mentioned was that they're, um, first of all, I'd like to say this is uh, the proper conduct of warfare because it's targeting the, the people that, who are actually responsible rather than some type of indiscriminate attack. But their reach now, according to this article, goes all the way to the coast of India, which is a, a totally new situation. Uh, so it's not just the, the choke points like the uh, Bab al-Mandeb and the uh, the uh, Straits of Hormuz. Uh, they have the, the ability to project power way beyond that. And secondly, uh, it's hard to tell how, they, how the uh, United States could react to this type of asymmetrical warfare. Uh, because where, what are you going to do? The uh, Saudis already failed to conquer uh, Yemen, which is the, the base for the Houthis. So what's the United States going to do? And apparently they just had to call off their operation, whatever it is. What was it called? I forget what it was called. Something Guardian. Guardian, Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, their operation to protect shipping. Prosperity in the, in Guardian. The, yeah. yeah, Prosperity. Their operation to protect shipping in the Red Sea. This is crucial. Because the American empire is based on the British empire, and the British empire was based on the British navy and their ability to control the sea lanes. They're losing here. They were already losing because of the railroad from uh, Shanghai into Rotterdam. That's another blow, the consolidation of the Eurasian landmass. If they lose control of the sea lanes, that's it. That's, that's the basis of uh, world power for the American empire. Well, that's right. And part of this is a technological change that shipping ships, uh, navies are now vulnerable uh, and, you know, land based missiles like Yemen has can take them out. And then drones and water drones, you know, boat drones and so on. All of this has made shipping and navies super vulnerable. And in fact, I was reading an analysis of the Ukraine war that pointed out that it's kind of surprising that the Western propaganda machine hasn't yet 
uh, pointed out, or at least been harping on the fact that Russia's Navy has not done well. They own the Black Sea, but they can't really operate because navies just are vulnerable today. Uh, so that means that this Mackinder thesis, the sea power of the Western empires, whether you know it was Britain in the 19th century or the U.S. now, uh, that sea power is heavily eroding. And so I think that's kind of the backdrop here to what Pepe was talking about. Uh, well, is, uh, you know, Israel is now up against the whole world. They're being uh, called into the world court uh, for genocide prosecution by South Africa. And they are actually having to revoke visas for UN people uh, because the whole UN is against them. Everybody's against us. Everybody's anti-Semitic. Well, if the entire world is anti-Semitic, Maybe it's because you guys are doing something wrong and committing genocide is doing something wrong. Uh, yeah, the whole army's out of step except that one guy. Uh, this is uh, the the cause, the main cause of anti-Semitism is Jewish behavior. But it never seemed, they never, they will never admit that. Well, now it's becoming so obvious that they they, they can't deny it anymore. Uh, the question, this is calling into question the entire uh, oh, idea of international law because the Israelis and the United States are simply flouting the principle. This is the exception to every rule, which then destroys the idea of the rule to begin with. And then we're back at, uh, you know, dog eat dog barbarism here for the right. entire world. Yeah, yeah. Israel has been ignoring and flouting UN resolutions on return of the refugees. Uh, every Palestinian refugee forced out in 1948 and ever since then has the right, uh, the inalienable right as an individual, nobody can give it away for them, to return to their homes. And the UN has repeatedly reaffirmed that. Israel has ignored that. And likewise, the UN has insisted that Israel uh, withdraw from the land it stole in its 1967 war of aggression. And of course, Israel has flouted all of that too. But sometimes the defenders of Israel point to the 1948 resolution supposedly creating Israel, although that had no actual force because it was simply a general assembly resolution. In any case, Israel is totally on the outs with the entire world community now. Um, and the axis of resistance is going from strength to strength. Uh, here is the IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, saying something that actually surprised me, Mike. Um, they are basically taking credit for Operation Al-Aqsa Storm as an act of revenge for the assassination of General Soleimani. So that's uh, kind of shocking. Hamas immediately denied this, right, and said, uh, no, no, we just did this. Iran uh, didn't do it. But, you know, previously Iran had been very clear that, or their, their position had been that this was Hamas that did it and Iran didn't know anything about it. And now suddenly Iran is saying that, no, this was actually our revenge for Soleimani and get ready for the next round. So that shows that they don't seem to be uh, cowed <laughs> or on the defensive. So what is Israel going to do now? Uh, are they going to attack Iran? Is, it, is this a propitious moment to attack Iran? What what are they going to do? I, I think their their options are increasingly limited. The more they get bogged down in this thing in Gaza, the more the other options get foreclosed. Well, they want the U.S. to attack Iran for them, of course. I know. And that I don't see that happening. If it didn't happen before, I don't see it happening now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because we're we're too we're bogged down in the Ukraine. We're bogged down everywhere. 
yeah, losing in Ukraine and, you know, Johnson in 68 or 67 thought that maybe a smashing victory in the Middle East would distract from his problems with losing in Vietnam. But then the USS Liberty stayed afloat and that whole plan went awry. Uh, I don't think that anybody around Biden, his minion or whatever, I don't think those people think that they're going to have some kind of a smashing victory in the Middle East. It looks to me like they're scrambling, sort of contain the damage, and that at least they are somewhat conscious of the damage that this is doing to Israel and to the U.S. empire, uh, whereas, of course, the Israeli leadership is utterly uh, clueless about that. So uh, the world the is pretty... The, the, yeah. the Democrats, by the way, are the ones that came up with the nuclear agreement, uh, and they're in power now. So that that doesn't that, this is the wrong group of people uh, to uh, force them into a war when they were the ones that were the kind of the peacemaker. I'm talking about the Democratic Party. They were the peacemakers in the last uh, the last decade. Right. And, and I didn't hear anything about Biden being opposed to the nuclear deals, even though Biden is a ardent Zionist and so on, neocon and all of that. Uh, I think Obama was much more, and the, you know, the, a certain group around Obama very strongly supported that. And I'm not quite sure where Biden came down on it. But in any, any case, yeah, this is probably not a real good time for a gigantic, uh, disastrous war. Uh, and, you know, Israel's undermining its own position constantly with its insane atrocities. You know, they don't even bother to hide them. Their PR department is completely AWOL. Like, what is this? They're just going out and like lining up old people and shooting them. They, they, order old folks out of their homes and, you know, lock them down for a while and then release them. And as the old folks uh, leave, they shoot them in the back. Uh, these kinds of things. It's just incredible. They've they've murdered over a thousand senior citizens. And of that number, of course, almost the vast majority have been killed by bombs that blew up their houses. And so the concrete crushes them to death. But uh, maybe a few dozen have been executed in cold blood. So not only do they kill children in cold blood, but they do this to old people, too. This all revolves around the word Amalek. And this is a battle now between those who believe that you can declare certain people Amalek, which means they have no right, including the right to life, or the entire tr tradition of Christian Europe, which developed rules for the conduct of war. Uh, that's That's what's at stake here. That's what's at stake here. The, whenever, whenever there was a revolution, let's say England in uh, in the 17th century, there, there were Judaizers behind the revolution. The Puritans were Judaizers. Ever knew that, and everyone knew that. But so this, when Cromwell arrived in Ireland, he declared Ireland Amalek, which means he did not have to follow any type of moral law and could exterminate them with with uh, impunity. This is precisely the crisis that came about in the West as they uh, distance itself more and more from the Christian uh, moral law, the more Christian understanding of morality that was the basis of European civilization. They ended up being Judaizers. They ended up being uh, the, 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 the terrorists that uh, are now ha in control of, of, of Israel. That's the logical outcome of this fall away from European tradition. Well, I wonder if the Torah is going to be banned from Amazon for uh, supposedly advocating violence. Uh, probably not anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, this is a Euromed human rights monitor that is publicizing these uh, examples of the old people being lined up and shot. And they also have repeatedly accused Israel's military of organ theft. 
apparently uh, Israel is the world's leading organ trafficking country. And this has been going on for quite some time, apparently. Uh, and so they're they're giving back these bodies of Palestinians uh, minus their organs. And this has kind of been a constant uh, over years and decades. Um, do you find that shocking? No, wasn't there something, uh, 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 an arrest of a bunch of people in New Jersey who were uh, the Jews who were trafficking there in the United States? I seem to remember this. Uh, but no, it's, I don't find it shocking. This is one more example of what happens when you remove yourself from civilized uh, behavior. Yeah, well, there have been claims that uh, aspects of uh, the Talmud and other sort of inter bad interpretations of religious tradition have led to this belief uh, originally among religious Jews. And then, you know, it's kind of filtered into the Jewish community in general uh, that uh, non-Jews are worth less. Their lives are worth less than the lives of Jews. And that, you know, in this extreme form, the Goyim are just cattle. And a country like Israel founded as a Jewish state with this really strong uh, ultra-nationalist right-wing religious establishment that has rabbis blessing the soldiers going out, you know, blessing rape as a, as a weapon of war. Uh, for some reason, the Western media doesn't seem to want to cover that, but also presumably this kind of organ trafficking. I think there was a, it was actually rabbis involved in organ trafficking in one of these scandal, scandals in the United yeah, States. I think that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, whatever, whatever the Torah forbids, the Talmud permits. That's a slogan that came to when I was doing research on the Jewish revolutionary spirit. And so what we have to do is strip the veil of legitimacy away from this religion. If abortion is a fundamental Jewish value, the Jews are not worshiping Yahweh. They are worshiping Moloch. That was the God of child sacrifice. And so once you worship Moloch, then don't be surprised that killing becomes uh, their, their occupation. Murder becomes their occupation. And mutilation of bodies, uh, sure, why not? Why not? Let's make some money off it. Yeah, well, your your argument from the Christian perspective that Judaism as a religion went badly wrong from the very beginning because the Jews are the people who refused to accept uh, the prophet, the mission of Jesus, peace upon him, uh, probably has quite a lot to be said for it, even for people like me who are not uh, Christians. But in, in any case, the biggest stories of 2023 that's the that's the the next segment here in the longer segment of today's show. So let's get into the biggest stories of the year. Everything we just covered was just from this week. So 2023, what happened 2023? Well, we lost our producer here at False Flag Weekly News, Alan Reese. Alayer um, Hamu, Alan Reese was a, a lifelong uh, a truth seeker with a lot of you know interests in esoteric topics. He became a hardcore 9/11 truther and built up a, a lot archive of great material. And then took it with him to the other world, most of it, unfortunately. Uh, so shout out to Alan um, in uh, Paradise. Uh, you know, Alan, if you ever if you can remind somebody down here how to get into your archives, what the password was, be sure to do that. But anyway, we, we'll miss Alan. He's He was uh, a, a very cool guy. And how about uh, the biggest story of the year, of course, is this resistance to genocide that's going on in Palestine. We've been talking about it already, but... We went from the Nakba at the 75th anniversary of the original Nakba of 1948 to the new Nakba, the current genocide. Uh, and here's Yoav Litvin, who is Israeli-American from a Jewish background, uh, accusing Israel of genocide. Uh, so old Nakba, new Nakba, 
Israeli, an Israeli Jew being one of the leading voices accusing Israel of genocide today, it's, uh, that was uh, quite an eventful year for, uh, for Nakba's. Yeah, I don't know whether you're going to cover this, but uh, Bibi Netanyahu just did an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal in which he gave the justification for what everyone is calling genocide. And he said it was basically uh, the re-education, the social engineering of Germany and Japan after World War II. Hmm. So that yeah. is the plan. That is the plan. And so uh, uh, I don't know whether you're going to cover this either, but uh, apparently Erdogan uh, said that... Uh, Netanyahu was Adolf Hitler. No, he was the allies who did that. We're talking about the carpet bombing of Europe, the fire bombing of Dresden and Hamburg, followed by the ethnic uh, expulsion, the expulsions of all of the ethnic Germans from east, e the eastern provinces of Germany, uh, East Prussia, Silesia, uh, the Sudetenland. This is the plan. He's taking it from the allies, not from the Nazis. OK, I mean, I'm not trying to defend Nazis, but that's the plan. He's uh, specifically saying this is where he got his ideas. That's what. And I think this is crippling America's effect to uh, America's ability to to criticize what's going on. Right. Yeah, no. It, I, and I think that uh, Netanyahu may not realize that the situations are not comparable that with germany and japan they were in ruins fully occupied by powers vastly more powerful than they were and even prior prior to those wars right the uh, the power the uh the allies had been more much more powerful today israel may have that power that it's stolen basically from the u.s and the u.s empire or at least borrowed but it's up against two billion muslims a growing number of Christians and post-Christians who are waking up. Uh, the whole global South has had it up to here with Zionist genocide. So they're they're up against many billions of people. And if they think they can re-educate billions of people by carpet bombing them and committing war crimes against them, good luck with that, BB. Uh, well, uh, so they they also think that they can get away with anything regarding propaganda. And what you just said, Mike, uh, does recall the fact that the victors write history and the accounts of world war ii that are we're given here in in the west uh are grossly biased grossly exaggerate the crimes of the opposition and hide the crimes of the allies such as the fire bombings of germany and japan nuclear bombings and then the genocide against germans in the during the occupation uh so the Israelis seem to think that that kind of propaganda where you just lie and attribute to your opponent what you yourself are doing can go on forever. And they can maybe even exaggerate more <laughs> than the World War II victors did, making up these stories about how evil and brutal Hamas was beheading babies and raping and killing, deliberately killing civilians. And it turns out none of that's true, that the vast majority of, of Israeli civilians killed on October 7th were killed by the IDF. All of the burned bodies, including any burned children, there may have been like one burned child, I think, uh, were all burned by the super weapons of the IDF as, as they just strafed and, and destroyed cars with helicopter gunships and things like that. And so Max Blumenthal reported about that popular resistance. Uh, I guess popular resistance did this first piece. Uh, Philip uh, Weiss, uh, at Mondo Weiss, I think, started it. 
Max Blumenthal has been picking up and running with it. So will this propaganda wave trying to you know say that Hamas was the one that did all the atrocities when in fact the Israeli forces committed the vast majority of atrocities against their own civilians October 7th, are the Israelis going to get away with this propaganda much longer? Well, you go. You're going back now to the the beginning of Western civilization, uh, the dialogue between Socrates and Thrasymachus. Thrasymachus said that uh, he he said uh, justice is the opinion of the powerful. Uh, well, we're we're living in an age where truth is the opinion of the powerful, and since the Jews control the media, they decide what is true and what is not true. Well, it's not going to work. It's not going to work now because there are too many people who understand. Well, that's part of it. But we're talking about transcendentals. The truth is a transcendental. The good, the true, and the beautiful are transcendentals. And they will triumph um, because they're transcendentals. It, it's simply, we we the, the first sentence of Aristotle's book is basically people want to know. People want to understand the truth. We're uh, I hate to use the word hardwired, but I think that's uh, we are created with that in mind, and we 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 don't find rest in lies, and the more lies that we discover, the more we're drawn to the truth. So I think we're watching that happen now, in uh, real time, in this propaganda, the exposure of this propaganda, uh, oftentimes, and the case of Max Blumenthal by by Jews themselves. Yeah, I think I think Max's work here is definitely one of the top stories of the year. Um, and, you know, the other people who contributed to it should get credit as well. Uh, and here's uh, here's his his tweet about that. Um, so, yeah, shout out to those. And, and yeah, let's give credit where it's due to Jews or people who identify as Jews, whether religious or not, and so on, who are more, you know, more interested in truth and justice than they are in trying to help their tribe grab wealth and power or help themselves grab, grab wealth and power. Uh, we should always remember that, you know, whatever we're saying about the Jewish religion and, and the Jewish political identity, identity politics, uh, that there are plenty of people out of that Jewish group that are doing great work, including opposing this genocide. Uh, well, another big story, biggest one of the biggest of the year, is this amazing move by Yemen to try to stop this genocide. I mean, that, I think, we already mentioned that a little bit, but this was the original story when uh, when Yemen started and then the Americans tried to organize their coalition and the coalition collapsed before it could even get started. And so, again, our earlier story said, uh, you know, Pepe Escobar says that they've been checkmated. So I think this will go down as one of the big stories of 2023. It's the uh, Yemen stepping up against this genocide. Yeah, as we said, uh, if the American empire cannot control the sea lanes, it's the end of the American empire. Uh, and uh, a specific example would be uh, Germany. Okay, Germany can, doesn't have enough energy to run its industry. Uh, the Americans, they had a pipeline. The Americans blew up the pipeline. And they said, you don't need the pipeline. We will have liquefied uh, natural gas sent to you in big ships. It will cost six times what you've been paying. But that's no small price to pay for independence, energy independence from Russia. Well, that whole narrative goes down the drain. If you can't protect those ships, they're coming from that area. Uh, all the, the Yemenis have to do is expand it to include these type of liquefied. And that's the end. And Germany will be forced uh, in the, the opposite direction. It will be forced out of collaboration with the American empire. It has already happened on a minor scale because Germany, the Sede U, has announced it's going to open up its 
mothballed uh, nuclear um, uh, reactors. That's a step in the direction of uh, returning uh, energy sovereignty in Germany based on the fact that these shipping lanes are not reliable anymore. Well, so far, the Houthis are only going after the Israeli-linked ships. But once they show that they can do that with impunity, then you're right. Then the American policing of the sea lanes becomes something of the past. Uh, well, here's the genocide convention story that was uh, one of the biggest stories of the year, even before South Africa went and invoked the genocide convention today, as we mentioned earlier. And so we already talked about that. But I, I think that does count as one of the big stories of the year because it is still 2023. Uh, another big story of 2023 was that American Muslims and Christians were seeing uh, eye to eye. There was a meeting of the minds that was increasing exponentially as American Muslims agreed with, uh, with American Christians about preserving traditional values and standing up against the most insane aspects of the woke agenda. And then suddenly, boom, uh, this uh, genocide breaks out in occupied Palestine and the Christians, especially the evangelicals, are completely clueless, or an awful lot of them are. And so now suddenly the this Muslim-Christian rapprochement that was going on is on hold. It's all, If you're a conspiracy theorist, you might say, you know, they uh, they ginned this up just to try to you know, break the Muslims up uh, from the Christians. Um, but we're not quite that conspiracy theorizing yet, are we? I've uh, I've I've said this before, but I, I had a I, a dialogue needs to start in places like Oklahoma and Texas, and it's got to start with the beginning of the use of the word Jew. Okay, so you say, look, your uh, Oklahoma is pro-life and pro-Zionist. Did you know that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value? So how can you support uh, the protection of life in the womb, but not protection of innocent life on the ground in Gaza? That's the question that needs to be asked in places like Oklahoma, where which is a stronghold of Christian Zionism. Uh, and that's an opportunity that the right to life movement is simply missing because it's a racket. Uh, it's a racket that invites uh, the local right to life organization here paid Ben Shapiro $25,000 to come and give a, a speech that was uh, a moronic at best, insipid at best, uh, to cover over the fact that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. We have to use the correct terminology here because we can't have a dialogue without it. But, but Mike, some of these evangelicals seem to think that you know the Jews are so bad they're good. That is, they think that this Jewish genocide in the Holy Land, and they don't call it that, of course, uh, will lead to Jesus coming back to clean clean everything up. Now, I never figured right. this out, but I, I, there's a lot about Christianity that just doesn't quite compute for my poor, pathetic brain. And, and this is definitely one of the extreme examples. Like, okay, so you're going to support evil because you think that if it gets evil enough, then Jesus will come back. Does that, does that make sense to you? No, it doesn't make sense, but you're going to have to get more particular again, because in a sense, there's no such thing as Christianity. Okay? Uh, that ended 500 years ago with the Reformation, uh, where you had a unified uh, Europe uh, under, the under the control of the Catholic Church, more or less. Okay? That's over now. And so you can't just say there's a generic Christianity out there when 
uh, large numbers of these people believe in a completely crazy uh, interpret uh, control uh, uh, version of the Bible known as the Schofield Bible. You have to deal in particulars here. And that's why I propose that dialogue in places like uh, Oklahoma. Talk to these people directly. Sounds like a plan. Let's go talk to them. Maybe the Muslims and the Christians can get together. Personally, I've I've uh, voted with my feet and gotten out of the American heartland. Uh, not planning to go back anytime soon, but I wish the people who are carrying on this kind of dialogue uh, well. Um, I, th I think it's more, even more important in England, for example. Okay. I think it's going to happen there much more quickly than it will happen here in the United States because there's a much bigger uh, Muslim population in places like uh, 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 London. This yeah, is, the Muslims this, are le the, leading the charge against uh, the you know infliction of bizarre gender ideas on little kids. Right. This this is the cunning of reason. So the the Jews bring flood uh, European countries with Muslim immigrants to destroy the culture, but it turns out that the Muslims are even more anti-Zionist than the natives are, mm -hmm. and that they have common cause on the gender issues as well. The Muslims may end up helping preserve the culture if you don't watch out. Uh, so let, let's talk about the, the people of the year. Uh, here at False Flag Weekly News, we have named the mainstream media the morons of the year for naming Taylor Swift the person of the year. Okay, uh, who is this Taylor Swift? I was vaguely aware that there was some famous celebrity of that name up in like last year, year before or something. I actually heard that there was um, some kind of a, a, a Swifty club. I think it was National Public Radio said that the Swifties were these gay guys who like uh, have some kind of a fetish for Taylor Swift. And this is something I, you know, never would have known, except I just happened to have the radio on at the right moment. Uh, so the the Swifties are, are a thing, apparently. And uh, so she's now person of the is year. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, so and I, I, I did actually go and listen to a song uh, from this uh, this singer. And frankly, it struck me as mediocre. So, Mike, why is a mediocre singer who's a cult item among uh, homosexuals uh, the person of the year? Hello, Mike. Kevin, I can't hear you. The, the, uh, the, the sound is broken up completely. Oh, sorry. yeah, sorry. I think I, I, I've had some kind of a technical issue here, which maybe we can resolve soon. Uh but it, I was asking you, why is a mediocre singer who's a cult item among homosexuals uh, the person of the year? Yeah, uh, well, this is, uh, whatever happened to Miley Cyrus? <laughs> Gabby. Yeah. No. Uh, so, yeah, she's been person of the year twice, apparently. Somehow I missed it the last time around. And a girl uh, sexualizes uh, these these singers. Mm -hmm. So, Mike, about Britney Spears, uh, who because she's apparently having mental breakdowns periodically, and that that makes the news. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yep. So, so mental breakdowns make the news, and. and 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 you can go go back even further to Bette Midler, who was another fa favorite among homosexuals, and she got that's how she launched her career. 
So it's it's one after another. So I'm not surprised that this is the mediocre music. Okay. Well, uh, apparently the the far right uh, is the the only group that isn't wildly cheering for this person being named person of the year. Uh, and so Rolling Stone is telling us that the extreme right wing is uh, is complaining about this. Uh, uh, the bizarre notion that the singer is a political weapon, um, even though she's she's like uh, you know pro-abortion, uh, anti-Trump. Maybe that's partly why they named her Person of the Year as well. Yeah, you know, before this, you were called Man of the Year, and uh, just to give you some historical background, uh, Mosa Degg was Man of the Year in 1953. And before that, Adolf Hitler was man of the year uh, uh, in, in the 1930s, I believe. This is what Time magazine was famous for. Yeah, they, they used to actually take this seriously. Now it's just more uh, fluff. And yeah, so it's all uh, anybody who thinks that this is kind of pathetic is obviously some kind of extreme right wing conspiracy theorist, according to the mainstream media, which is why we're uh, we're calling them the morons of the year. Uh, so that's Taylor, Taylor Swift. Uh, her concerts feel like going to mass, according to Catholic magazines. Uh, Mike, um, I think if I were a Catholic, I would subscribe to Culture Wars rather than this particular magazine. Was it America that said that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. America, that's the Jesuit magazine. Okay. Hey. <laughs> this, this is uh, homosexual occupied territory. <laughs> Unfortunately, much as it pains me to say this, but uh, that's the problem with America magazine. And once they became uh, homosexual, uh, they became Americanist. It happened at the same time. And so the magazine is aptly named. It's called America because it's the classic example of Americanism in Catholic life. Whoa. Well, uh, you know, the, the Jesuits aren't quite what they used to be, I guess, although they've always been a little uh, questionable in certain respects, but uh, it seems to be getting worse. Well, if, if Time the, the, the Jesuits were the greatest force for evangelization in the world during the 16th century, all you have to do is read the Jesuit relations from North America or what happened at the reductions in Paraguay. Uh, uh, Voltaire had to slander them and Candide because they were doing such a good job. You can read uh, Parkman's book, No Jesuit He, No Catholic He, The Jesuits in North America for an American take on the heroic actions of the Jesuits. Okay. Well, in that case, they have uh, fallen quite a long ways now if they think that they the way they go to mass is by going to Taylor Swift concerts. Uh, back when Time Magazine was a serious magazine and they named serious people of the year, as opposed to uh, this uh, Swifty thing, uh, they might have named, if, if they were still that way today, maybe number three on their list would have been Vladimir Putin, who had a pretty good year. Uh, the counteroffensive uh, that Ukraine launched against Russia, which was supposed to liberate all of Crimea and all of the Donbass and so on and so forth. It turned into a big uh, nothing burger uh, and Putin's you know, economy in Russia is flourishing. So Putin could have been the man of the year. Elon Musk had a pretty big year too and got himself into hot water by uh, endorsing anti-Semitic conspiracy theories of one thing or another and then had to go kiss uh, Netanyahu's ring or tush or whatever they kiss over there to make up for it. So he could be number two on our list of like you know, real man of the year, Putin, uh, Musk. And then finally, Yahya Sinwar is uh, the the guy who basically gets credit for the Alexa flood operation or Alexa storm operation on October 7th. So Yahya Sinwar of Hamas probably should be the person of the year. And so False Flag Weekly News is going to declare Yahya Sinwar as the person of the year. So Mike, do you think this will get us banned?
we're already banned, Kevin. So the, <laughs> the, the, one the one the one advantage of being dead is that they can't kill you anymore. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So if uh, Mossad sends uh, too many assassins after mm -hmm. me, it's going to be a waste of money. Uh, <laughs> but in seriously, terms of, in terms of character assassination, we're already dead. That's true. Yeah. Well, they've shot me uh, over and over and over with those character assassination bullets. As yeah, we'll talk about the latest. Uh, did by the way, did the ADL go after you this year, Mike? Uh, no, they had to back down. This I should mention this. They did back down on me. For some reason, they uh, said that I was a racist, even though an earlier profile on me in the ADL uh, said that I was not. So somebody got their wires crossed at ADL headquarters, and I said, look, you're contradicting your own thing, and they backed down. They had they, to back they, down. They're not a racist. Uh, they had to say, no, E. Michael Jones is not a racist. And uh, it was a kind of an apology uh, because they were setting themselves up uh, for, for a lawsuit, I think. I could, have used, I could have used their own, their own testimony against them. All right. Well, on the other hand, if the ADL is backing down away from attacking you and they're still attacking me, then I guess that's a feather in my cap. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And maybe they'll attack me again for declaring... Uh, Yahya Sinwar as person of the year. Um, and it, it's easy to get attacked these days because, you know, the establishment is threatened by dissent. That's our headline for this section. Kissinger, before he keeled over uh, in, in 2003, said that the United States is threatened by dissent. It suffers from domestic division, and uh, that's leading to international disorder. So he was on the side of those cracking down on us dissidents. And he said that in, when was that, like uh, early 2023, and then in November, he uh, keeled over, and he will now spend the rest of his life in hell, devising futile diplomatic ruses and stratagems aimed at enhancing hell's non-existent chances of defeating heaven. So, um, uh, shout out to Kissinger, the advocate of, uh, of stopping Americans from dissenting. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, there was a time when Americanization was part of the policy here and the Democrats abandoned that and they created identity politics. Identity politics is division. The whole politic political life now is based on division. It's not on uh, consensus or unity or, or, or American identity. And I think I would say the Clintons were the primary ones responsible for the shift to identity politics. Interesting. So it's maybe not us dissidents who are really at fault here. Maybe somebody should uh, call Kissinger down in his new digs in hell and, and tell him that. Uh, more uh, 2023 threatened by dissent stories coming up here. Um, some of the most threatening, scary dissent that's happened in the past uh, three years was, of course, the insurrection in uh, January 2021. And the leader of the insurrection, we were told, was this guy in the buffalo headdress, Q Shaman, and this year, 2023, he was released from prison after it was shown that actually the footage got released showing that the guards at the Capitol basically gave him an escorted tour. So it wasn't exactly a, a gun-toting insurrection, and that whole narrative fell apart in 2023. Uh, Q. Shaman got released, but a lot of the other J6 prisoners are still languishing. Yeah, this was a, an FBI entrapment scheme. It was obvious that this was planned. Everyone was expecting another Black Lives Matter operation at that point. Everyone was expecting, you know, rioting on the streets and like what had happened in Kenosha and places like that. 
Well, the FBI did the exact opposite. They opened the door instead. They opened the door and the people ran in. And the only reason this guy is famous is because of his costume. He's got a member. He's got that. He's got that memorable look. I mean, once you see this guy, you don't forget him. And he became the poster. <laughs> no matter boy how much you of, want to. <laughs> he became the poster boy of the so-called insurrection. I mean, look at that guy. You want that guy sitting down at your dinner table? No. No. Well, the FBI will pr protect you from this guy or the government will protect you from this guy. That's what's going on. It was an entrapment scheme. It, it's it's getting more and more cartoonish by the minute. So they're, they're threatened by dissent, but they're manufacturing this kind of, uh, of Emmanuel Goldstein style dissent to scare us about so that they can then protect us from it. But they're also sending a lot of people to jail and prison. And it's not just Q shaman, but a lot of other people are being sent to prison as well, to the point that Richard Solomon in the UN's review this past week actually had to write the law-abiding citizen's guide to navigating the U.S. prison system, or the formerly law-abiding citizen's guide, because, of course, now uh, that they've outlawed criticizing Zionism, which is now the same as anti-Semitism, and advocating BDS, which I already just openly did on this show, probably glorifying Hamas and, and nominating uh, Yahya Sinwar as the person of the year, qualifies uh, for breaking some new law in the United States. So, I mean, it's a good thing I'm outside the jurisdiction of the United States right now. Uh, and you guys who are still stuck in the belly of the beast, Mike, better read this article preparing for uh, what life is really like in lockup. Yeah, but there's a problem here. When Khrushchev declared his campaign against Stalinism, he went through the ethnic cleansing uh, uh, examples. And he talked about how the Kalmuks were sent there and the Volga Deutsch were sent there. And then he got to the Ukrainians and he said Stalin couldn't do anything because there were too many of them. Well, that's the problem. Once you once you criminalize normal behavior, you don't have enough prisons. We've already got the biggest prison system in the world and it's already full. So where what are you going to do? You're going to run out of prison space. Because, and I'm saying I'm uh, I'm part uh, I mean widening the uh, widening the the uh, the boundaries here because when the ADL backed down after calling me a white racist they had to admit that my identity was Catholic because that is my identity and once they admitted that that's a large group of people. And there's pushback if you have this religious identity, which you don't have as a white boy, which is why they want to push you into these false categories so they can imprison you. So once you widen it that far, there, there's not enough, there's not enough room. Sorry, it's not going to work. The pushback has uh, has failed. The Mark Halk case in Bucks County in Philadelphia, where they tried to send him to prison for protesting at an abortion clinic, it failed miserably. Josh Hawley pushed back. It's failing. There aren't enough prison cells. So if Trump runs for office, runs for president, possibly from a prison cell or possibly not, and he gets elected, the majority of the people vote for him. And are they going to send all those people to prison along with Trump? And the majority of Americans and their president will all be behind bars? That'd be an interesting. Well, I've, I've already written an article saying all those people in Maine who voted for Trump deserve to be murdered. Uh, killed by well, they're, they're uh, because, insurrectionists because they're insurrectionists and because it's, the president has already beset in Gaza. There are no innocent civilians in Gaza because right. they voted for Hamas. There are no innocent civilians in Germany because they voted for Hitler. There are no innocent civilians in the United States because they voted for Trump.
This is the logic that uh, is being propagated, the logic of this insane system. Okay. Well, let's hope the majority of the country doesn't have to get locked up uh, in 2024. Uh, the ADL. Uh, came after me, they, as you said, that they, they actually corrected their story on you and basically kind of apologized to you. But, you know, the ADL has never apologized to me, uh, even though they have said a lot of untrue things, including in this latest attack. Uh, some of the things they said were true and some of them were not. They claimed that I blamed Jews in Israel for the creation of ISIS. And actually, uh, what I've said is that ISIS was created on a U.S. military base in Iraq, possibly with the participation of some Israeli partners like the John Israel, who uh, helped create Abu Raib and the torture, sex torture gulag there. However, uh, that, so that's, that's actually not true. But yeah, the other stuff I supposedly said, yeah, Jewish power is the result of the disproportionate presence of Jews in powerful positions in media, politics, and finance. Yeah, right. And uh, the sun does rise in the east and sets in the west and i so i plead guilty to saying things like that anyway uh so they they came after me and i i, I was on their hit list when they went after substack i was actually ahead of libs of TikTok with their uh, hundred thousand plus subscribers so i was kind of flattered yeah well they're in a bind because uh i'm, I'm in the same situation i read my profile on the adl and uh they have to some extent uh, to adhere to the truth well if you tell the truth about me god bless you you're spreading my message. If you lie about me, okay, I I have uh, I could possibly have legal recourse. So you're in a bind, uh, and that's the same thing with the Substack. I'm not in this article because I'm not on Substack, and that's what the topic of the article was. So what, I mean, true. you better start we, a Substack, otherwise you have to, be left we out. We have to keep their bind in mind. <laughs> All right, you know the ADL also regularly misconstrues my humor. Uh, you know, they, they, Barrett suggests that people who have a Jewish handler are at risk of being institutionalized and injected, referring to Yee's conspiratorial rants about his former personal trainer, Harley Pesternik. Well, that's obviously a joke, but you know, they, this is not the first time they've misconstrued my humor. I think I, I had a satirical article published on April 1st that uh, I, the, the headline was, I am a Holocaust denier. So like Wikipedia, uh, run by the ADL, used that as proof that I'm really a Holocaust denier. So you, you're not allowed to make jokes about these things, apparently. Uh, well, how about Trump v. Biden? That's I, the... I think I think I think they should make Henny Youngman the uh, head of the ADL. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Henny Youngman. Okay. Uh, so Trump and Biden. Uh, Trump, you know, like we said, he might end up running for office from a prison cell, and the vast majority of Americans who end up voting for him might also have to end up in prison cells. The whole country pretty much will end up in prison cells. Uh, that would certainly make history. Uh, well, Trump's, you know, indictments made history in 2023. His trials may do the same in 2024. And then his presidency and or his serving his terms might make history after that. Which will it be? Well, I think that it's overreach. I don't these these uh, uh, state attorney generals that disbar him, uh, uh, exclude him from running. Uh this is it shows their hand here. The, the indictments are basically political warfare. It's not that's nothing to do with the legal system. It's justice is the opinion of the powerful. That's the message from all of these indictments. Right. So California isn't kicking him off the ballot. Uh, Maine apparently is. Maine just did it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Colorado did it. But then a court maybe it's it's all getting appealed to the Supreme Court. So whether Trump ends up on which ballots is still up in the air at this point. But it's it's kind of telling that the guy who's ahead of the incumbent president by like five or six points in the polls has to be like taken off the ballot. Uh, 
it's it's kind of a bizarre and unprecedented situation, isn't it? Yeah. Well, remember Mayor Curley of uh, Boston? He got elected mayor when he was in jail. So there's precedent for this. Okay. Well, he can theoretically get elected president if he's in jail, but can he get elected president if he has been assassinated? That might be a little harder. Uh, but Robert Kagan seems to think that this might be the ultimate way to deal with the Trump problem. He published a piece in, I think, the Washington Post, a guest op-ed, you know, Kagan being, of course, the bull goose uh, neocon, the head of the neocon faction. And his article was uh, based on this thesis that a Trump dictatorship is looking increasingly inevitable. And he goes through this long list of reasons why, you know, we have to take seriously the fact that it's looking inevitable. And he never offers any advice about what can be done about it. Basically, he goes through the laundry list of reasons that there's nothing that could be done about it except assassinating Trump. So, like, I was the first one, I think, to publish about this. But subsequently, a long list of people, including some mainstream figures, have, like Matt Taibbi just a few days ago, have finally, you know, awakened, smelled the coffee and said, wait a minute, it looks like Robert Kagan called for assassinating Trump. Well, I, I said that a month ago. At two, Robert? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Biden, meanwhile, is is the reason they have to think about assassinating Trump or imprisoning him or scrubbing him off the ballots is because Biden is having such a bad time. Uh, and the southern border is part of this. Uh, mainstream has to admit that there were some serious problems with immigration policy. And of course, Fox is leading the charge and really admitting that uh, for their political reasons. Anyway, uh, how about this uh, this border policy thing? Is How big of a contributor is this to Biden's sinking poll numbers? I think it's a significant factor. And I think there's a kind of panic here because uh, it, it, it may be the end of the window of opportunity for the Democrats to basically flood these people in and kind of pack the voter rolls. I think that's the strategy behind it. I think that's precisely what Mayorkas has been appointed to do, to allow these people to the, the ethnic, uh, re, the replacement of the the dilution of the American populace. Oh my God, the you, you said the R word. Yes, I know. I'm allowed to do it because uh, I got a pass <laughs> when from Tucker the ADL. Carson, Tucker Carlson said the R word. It got him a reprimand from the ADL. I know, but that's the difference between me and him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think this is a window of opportunity, and they realize that it may close. So that's why there's this kind of rush to get to get across the border at this point. Okay, hurry up. Rush up to the border, guys. Uh, the window may be closing. And uh, some guy named Jones wrote this piece on Biden's minion in the Holocaust narrative, and he's promoting his book, uh, The Holocaust Narrative. And uh, the latest news along the Holocaust lines just came out the other day, or last the other week, I guess, that Anne Frank's stepsister, Eva Schloss, told Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain that the Auschwitz liberation was faked with photographers and crisis actors. So this skepticism about the Holocaust story seems to be spreading. Um, and you're partly responsible, Mike. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Anthony Blinken is still at large as a Holocaust liar. No one has called him on the fact that he lied about uh, what his father did. Uh, but the big question is whether Debbie Lipstadt is going to call for the arrest of uh, Eve Frank's, uh, Anne Frank's uh, stepsister. She's obviously a Holocaust denier. Apparently so. Apparently so. Yeah. Even complete with a crisis actor allegation. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty far out. It's only the real serious conspiracy theorists and deniers that use no, the crisis. The, 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 the Soviet army invaded. They took it over. They shut it down and then they retro.
retrofitted it to meet the uh, standards of the Holocaust narrative. And then they brought these people in and did all the filming. And that's where it came from. So she's right. She's absolutely right. Okay. So uh, they're going to have, yeah, maybe you and Anne Frank's stepsister will end up sharing a cell in the Tower of London. Uh, that's that right. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an ironic uh, situation, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> Holocaust politics makes strange bedfellows. So it does. Okay. Well, a shout out to Anne Frank's truth-telling stepsister. And that just goes to show that not everybody from a Jewish background is allergic to truth. Far from it. In fact, uh, they're probably among truth, hardcore truth-tellers. There may be disproportionate people out of Jewish backgrounds. Who just you know, A lot of them are reacting against the BS from their own background. Maybe she's one of them. I don't know. Um, so here's uh, the fast forward from the Forward magazine, the leading American Jewish magazine, uh, calling out the evil anti-Semitic Ranuns. And the reason we're including this story, of course, is that there was a historic Supreme Court decision that hobbled so-called affirmative action in uh, 2023. And only the Forward in this one article bothered to point out that Ranuns was largely responsible. Now, Ranuns is from a Jewish background himself. But he's become a notorious red-pilled 9-11 truther and Holocaust denier and COVID conspiracy theorist. In fact, Ron has questioned this huge, long list of uh, sacred cows. And I think he's right about the vast majority of uh, of those pieces that he's written in the American Pravda series. So here he's finally getting a little tiny bit of the credit he deserves as the forward credits him for the Supreme Court decision on so-called affirmative action. Um, shout out to Ron Unz, uh, who did great work in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I had mixed feelings about that. Uh, what happened at Harvard, uh, because it was a battle between affirmative action and uh, uh, Jewish Jewish power. Uh, I, I was I felt like Henny Youngman. It was like watching my mother-in-law drive over a cliff in my Cadillac, you know, had mixed <laughs> feelings about it because uh, the, 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 you have this creation of this uh, DEI monster at Harvard. Uh, by largely by uh, a Jew by the name of Noel Ignatieff, who's responsible for critical race theory. And then it devours, the revolution devours its own children. And the Jews are upset. And I, you know, I, I find it hard to sympathize with either side here. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see that. But, uh, you know, the, the concept of affirmative action strikes me as kind of dubious because basically what it's doing is helping out uh, the highest you know, uh, social element of these allegedly disenfranchised minorities. But it's, all, it's also, you know, if you look at the Ivy League admissions, as Ron Unce has done in a number of studies over the years, uh, it's pretty clear that this ethnic background, you know, of the applicants is being looked at and people are being discriminated against or, you know, Jews being the biggest beneficiaries of discrimination in getting into Ivy League universities, especially in more recent years, to the point that they had to change the way they classify Jews. Now they only consider you Jewish if you're a religious Jew. So all of, you know, the majority of Jews getting into the Ivy League, of course, are not religious Jews, they're ethnic Jews. And there were so many of them before, and it was so embarrassing that they were so grossly outnumbering the other white folks and that, you know, they were it was like it, it was just off the charts, the level to which if you're white, you're completely screwed unless you're Jewish, in which case you're getting the biggest boost of, of any ethnic group except maybe blacks. So anyway, it's it, this this was an I, I thought the Supreme Court decision was not such a, a terrible thing. Yeah, I agree. Affirmative action is a bad idea. Okay, we're on the same page there. 
uh, more promising candidates than Biden v. Trump. This was all a Biden v. Trump section that we just did, just to remind you. So there are some more promising candidates than Biden v. Trump. They're not all in the United States, however. Imran Khan is a promising candidate in Pakistan. He's so promising that the powers that be had to shoot him. Uh, they had to throw him in prison. They had to outlaw him and prevent him from running uh, for office. Um, all of that speaks well for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know about Pakistan. Uh, I think it's a, a failed state, but uh, uh, the proof of it was that when they kicked uh, Imran Khan out of his out of the the parliament, out of the uh, his position as prime minister, and that's so, of course a U.S. sponsored coup, right? So uh, I, you know, good good luck, good luck dealing with that issue. Yeah, yeah, the Americans wanted him out. Uh, primarily because he wasn't sufficiently gung-ho on board with the American empire and doing everything they tell him to do. And especially he had the temerity or the audacity, the gall, to not criticize Putin's invasion of Ukraine. He was actually in Moscow when that happened, and he didn't utter a peep against it. And so the Americans just said, that's the last straw. They pulled out all the stops, bribed all of their, their lackeys over in Pakistan, and they engineered the overthrow of Imran Khan. They've been persecuting him and shooting at him ever since. And uh, whether he makes a comeback in 2024, well, we'll see. But I'm I'm cheering for him. You know, I, I was clued into his importance long ago, back like 2009, I think it was, when Gordon Duff, uh, the CIA uh, retiree uh, and friend of Imran Khan's, uh, you know, told me, yeah, Imran Khan is this famous ex-cricket player, uh, big 9-11 truther, uh, a good, really pious Muslim you know, huge uh, athletic star, and he's going to be the next, you know, he's going to be a prime minister of pra Pakistan someday. You should interview him on your radio show. And I said, yeah, okay, but I didn't make any effort to do it, unfortunately. Anyway, I've been following him ever since, and uh, he's an honest politician, which is kind of a, a rare bird. Yeah, yeah. I don't, why didn't they want the, uh, some type of stability? I guess they don't want that. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're wrecking their own operation by do, by destroying people like this. Exactly. I mean, he's honest. And so, you know, and, and moderately competent, they could have compromised. It's just completely crazy the way that the empire, you know, won't take yes for an answer. And speaking of crazy, uh, how about another promising candidate, right? If Imran, Imran Khan is a more promising candidate than Trump and Biden, uh, RFK Jr. is too. But, you know, I was pretty excited about his candidacy for a while there. Uh, he's telling the truth about the assassinations of his uncle and his brother, at least up to a point, uh, saying the CIA was involved, which it was. And that's a brave thing for him to say, let's face it. And he said a lot of other brave things, too, about COVID and various other issues. However, uh, he's more Zionist than Netanyahu. <laughs> which, like, it doesn't compute because it was the Zionist, the state of Israel, that killed his father and, and his uncle. Um, what do we make of this? Yeah, the fact that uh, you spent 14 years as a heroin addict is probably not a good idea. Probably not good preparation for running for president. I think this is one of the significant events of 2023 was the fact that Robert Kennedy blew up his own campaign by being panicked into a support of Israel. After that, he was secretly taped talking about some type of groove in Jewish DNA that protected them or Chinese DNA, completely insignificant. And he overreacted and panicked and immediately uh, joined forces with this thug uh, by the name of Shmuley Boti, who happens to be a rabbi, by the way, who just was on uh, video uh, attacking some poor Palestinian kid who wrote, 
ice skating in New York City. Uh, the Palestinian kid goes by and says, free Palestine. And Boutique goes ballistic and wants to have him arrested for harassment or something like that. Kennedy fell right into this trap. Uh, that's tragic. Yeah, but, it is. You know, sorry. He had, sorry, he had it's so tragic. I, I wrote him in for president in 2020. But uh, at this point, I'm looking for a, a better, a more promising candidate, as it were. Where's our more promising candidates slide? There, uh, boy, this computer's running a little slow. We're back at Anne Frank's stepsister. How did that happen? Uh, come on, uh, slideshow. Let's let's go faster. Okay, more promising candidates than RFK Jr. Is that possible? Well, yeah, I think so. Imran Khan is better, but how about Cornell West? If you don't like RFK Jr.'s support for genocide in Palestine, Cornel West is somebody who's actually against it. Hey, an American pop politician who's against genocide. Maybe we should vote for him. Yeah, I don't know enough about Cornel West. I read his book uh, back then. The, tr the trouble is the, the you have such a thin base here in both uh, Kennedy and, I think, and Cornel West in terms of uh, where they're coming from. He's like a, a Harvard professor, you know, who got... Suddenly, Harvard doesn't have any place for this guy anymore. Um, you know, God bless him. God bless him. If he takes the right position, I hope he succeeds. But yeah, he, he's a 9-11 truther, too, actually. He, he, was, he actually came and spoke at our uh, Million Muslim March for 9-11 Truth in Washington, D.C. We didn't actually get a million Muslims there, not even a tiny fraction of that. But we did get Cornell West. <laughs> he's a 9-11 he's a truther. Uh, and yeah. here's the mainstream media uh, freaking out about the possibility that Cornell West might pull votes away from Biden and elect Donald Trump. Um, that's the... Uh, I think more significant was that meeting in Dearborn when the Muslims went to Biden and told him that uh, if he doesn't do something about Gaza, they're not going to vote for him. If the Muslims in Dearborn don't vote for him, he won't win Michigan. If he doesn't win Michigan, he won't win the election. I think that's more significant in this regard. Well, it is. But some of those Muslims in Michigan, instead of staying home, they might go out and vote for uh, for Cornell West. Well, another big, uh, uh, is this a promising candidate story? Well, this is a, this is a, uh, a story about what what are we oh yeah we're in for uh, the good things that happened this year in terms of people coming out for 9-11 so here's tucker carlson uh with his first show on twitter he uh he basically came out as a 9-11 truther and then has uh, admitted that uh, since a number of times we also had other people jimmy Dore, another guy with a big audience although not as big as tucker has uh, come out big time for 9-11 Truth, uh, bringing on Leroy Halsey, the University of Alaska professor, who did a massive project uh, simulating what could have happened in Building 7 and uh, discovering the obvious, which is that it was a controlled demolition. And finally, uh, here's this the latest from just uh, a few days ago, I guess, uh, this German engineer. He's, he's a military demolitions expert who hangs out with all of Europe's top military demolitions expert. He was hanging out with them on 9-11, and he now has testified that all of them immediately knew and were not shy about saying that these were obviously demolitions, military-style demolitions in New York on 9-11. So what's uh, Dr. Rupert, uh, what does he have to say about the pipeline? Does he say anything about the pipeline? Uh, I haven't heard him say anything about the pipeline. If I can get him on my radio show, we'll We'll find out. So anyway, that would yeah, be a are, good good question. Good question for him. Yeah, because I mean, we don't have to wait, you know, twenty two years for that. Uh, how about more conspiracy theories that have been confirmed uh, this year, or twenty twenty three rather? The October surprise conspiracy theory, which is what it's always been called in the mainstream, 
Turns out it was true. New York Times now admits that, yes, indeed, Jimmy Carter's re-election in 1980 was sabotaged by the Reagan campaign, and specifically uh, George Bush and William Casey, Bush being Reagan's vice presidential candidate, who went and negotiated with Iranians to keep the U.S. hostages locked up to destroy Carter's chances of being re-elected and to insert Reagan and Bush into office. So that's it's always been obvious that that was the case. Uh, here are the hostages being released, as the New York Times point, puts it, minutes after Mr. Carter left office. But of course, I guess that's all just a coincidence if you're a coincidence theorist. Anyway, what do you think, Mike, about the uh, New York Times finally admitting that the October surprise theory, which I've been talking about since pretty much almost 1980, and so have a lot of other people, and it's been obviously true all this time, New York Times has been insulting us all of those years, and now suddenly they're admitting that we were right. So what's it mean? So what's it mean? <laughs> did, did, are we supposed to forget what they said originally, or or what what does this mean? I don't. I'm. I. I, I didn't even. I, I didn't personally didn't know that they had uh, denied this. Oh yeah. I, how anybody how anybody could deny something like this is is beyond me. But you know, I guess God bless them for telling the truth this time around. Well, they got a a, a late life confession from a participant. This guy Ben Barnes. So it's now on the record. And, you know, shout out to Barbara Honiger, who watches these shows. Uh, she wrote the first October Surprise book, uh, pointing out the obvious truth of this. <laughs> the hostages are released minutes after Reagan is sworn into office. And yet, uh, oh, no, that's just a conspiracy theory. OK, whatever. Uh, the media is telling us all kinds of insane things about all kinds of topics. And, and the war on Russia, of course, is, is one of the biggest areas they've been lying about. And in the beginning of 2023, a year ago, Mike, when we did that show, you know, with a, almost the same graphic that we're reusing this year about what was going to happen in 2023, at that time, you know, in early 2023, we were told, oh, you know, Ukraine is winning and Ukraine's going to have a huge counteroffensive. They're going to take back the Donbass. They're going to take back Crimea. And uh, it turned out the media was wrong. Uh, the, this war on Russia and specifically the counteroffensive totally fell apart. And the media is now starting to admit that. Yeah. Do you think the Gaza thing was an attempt to distract everyone from that? Well, it sure worked out that way. It, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? I think that that exact happened at exactly the time when they should have run up the white flag. Uh, so I this buys them time to get out but while no one's paying attention. Uh, but they don't seem to want to get out now either. I can't. I can't understand how Zelensky is still in power after all this time. Why isn't the United States telling him to go to his new mansion in uh, wherever it is? Well, maybe they haven't offered him enough cocaine yet. But I'm sure that offer will be forthcoming. Uh, or, or is it that they don't know how to get out? They don't know how to get out of the the war. Is yeah, that, is, I mean, that, is that victory. an issue? They could declare yeah. a victory and withdraw. <laughs> That, I mean, uh, like Afghanistan, like Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We can evacuate all of the American you know, fighters and advisors from the rooftop of the embassy in Kiev, I guess. Uh, we've seen that movie before. Uh, so. I think it's I think it's the Biden reelection that's holding this thing in in uh, in ex existence with, you know, spit and bailing wire. Well, that's he can't, he can't have he can't have another Afghanistan months before the election. You could be right. So that'd be a lot of uh, people unnecessarily dying just to try to get Biden reelected, which probably won't happen anyway. But uh, meanwhile, Russia and China are winning, you know, left, right and center. Uh, Pepe Escobar is slowly being proven right. He's been, you know, writing all of this kind of uh, very optimistic stuff about this change in power in the world. But 
Yeah, it looks like uh, he's barking up the right tree. Yeah, obviously, uh, that's uh, the corollary of the, the Eurasian landmass being unified by rail lines and treaties now, including, uh, I don't know where we're talking about this, but uh, Iran and, and Russia going to get, get out of the dollar. This is all heading in the wrong direction for the American empire. Yeah, and, and we mentioned earlier that naval power ain't what it used to be. So these sea empires that you know man wrote about uh, formerly Brit Britain and now the United States ruling the waves, ruling the world by ruling the waves doesn't work so well anymore when you know these these multi-billion dollar aircraft carriers can be taken out by much cheaper missiles. Uh, the anti-ship yeah, I, th I think that's the message of the whole Houthi attack that yeah. the Americans invested in defensive weapons like the Patriot, which is a very expensive big gun that has a very big bullet that uh, once you shoot it, that's it. And if you're sending in thousands of cheap drones, it's it's uh, de defenseless. You're defenseless. Yeah, 2023 was the year of the cheap drones. And there are even people who are suggesting that cheap drones are going to keep getting more and more uh, important in all kinds of warfare. I, I can certainly imagine that happening I can even imagine that leaders are going to be vulnerable to assassination attempts from cheap drones, uh, and so that people without much resources may actually be able to extract vengeance on some of their enemies. And there are all sorts of things that could happen as uh, cheaper and cheaper, better and better uh, drones become much more widely available. But we're yeah. seeing some of that now in the Red Sea. Yeah, well, the Soleimani was taken out by a drone. Right, right. But, you know, that, that was a not the cheapest drone in the world. But what I'm saying is that now, like, you know, ordinary people uh, don't have to spend a very significant fraction of their life savings to go get a hobby drone that could be modified to do certain right. uh, damaging things. Right. And, right. The technology has changed. The war, whole war and, and America is overinvested in World War II technology that is obsolete now. Yep, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why uh, this 2024 could be the year when the West's so-called liberal ha, elites lose control of the world order, according to Fyodor Lukinov, the editor-in-chief of uh, Russia in Global Affairs. Well, he uh, he and, and Pepe Escobar and all those other people, I think, are barking up the right tree. Well, so more Ukraine war news. Let's just, you know, we remembered Alan Reese, who we lost in 2023. Well, let's remember Gonzalo Lira, who has been languishing in a Ukrainian prison since May in why? Because he was criticizing the Ukrainian government and its American supporters, and he was living in Ukraine. And so they uh, busted him as a supposed Russian propagandist, even though he has no connections whatsoever to the Russian government or anybody Russian. He was just expressing his views on YouTube. But you're just not allowed to do that anymore, apparently. No, I, he's an American citizen, too, isn't he? Yeah, he's an American citizen, and the U.S. government has shown no interest in getting him released. Yeah, well... He was Romana Sum. Uh, it doesn't isn't what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. This uh, belief of in the First Amendment and the right of American citizens to express their opinions and all of that, you know. So I, I guess I better not say terrible, nasty, evil, mean things about the King of Morocco here in Morocco. Because I don't think the American government would care very much if I got in trouble with the Moroccan government. So I just I won't get in trouble with the Moroccan government. I actually like them okay, and so. Uh, uh, I'm, it's a good thing I'm in Morocco instead of Ukraine. Because I was in Ukraine, it'd be really hard not to say nasty things about Zelensky like Gonzalo Lira did and look where it got him. Uh, well, uh, Pepe Escobar and his friends are right about the empire uh, disintegrating and the dollar's collapse might be the final nail in its coffin. 
And even the mainstream here, this uh, this was a mainstream publication. I'm forgetting which one it was. I think it was Politico or something uh, that uh, they're all admitting now that the dollar's dominance is looking shaky. Will 2024 be the year that the dollar finally collapses, Mike? Well, if it does, we have to remember who's responsible for it. And it is the Jews who run the sanctions office at the Treasury Department who have used the dollar. You should have been, you want the reserve currency. Okay, that's good. That's benefits the United States of America, but don't weaponize it. And not only did they weaponize it, they over weaponize it to the point where uh, 40% of the world's population lived in countries that were under sanctions. So you can't have it both ways. If you want the dollar as a reserve currency, don't use sanctions to destroy its ability to, to uh, fulfill its mission. That's, I think, the story that needs to come out as this thing collapses. Yeah, I, I, I figured they were overusing sanctions when Sigal Mendelkar, the Israeli citizen running the Treasury Department sanctions office, uh, had the FBI call us up and tell us that if we went to a conference sponsored by the NGO New Horizons, which is based in Iran, that uh, we would be arrested when we flew back to the United States the minute we stepped off the plane. Uh, and so off, that sanctions office is really kind of overreaching, you know, telling American scholars that they can't go to conferences. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I remember uh, Stuart Eisenstadt, who was the head of that operation, I believe it was in the 90s, orchestrated the looting of Nazi gold in Switzerland. It was a, a, a looting, a, a looting operation in that regard. As soon as you use the word Nazi and put it in front of gold, the, the Swiss had to run up the, the white flag. It was obvious what was going on even back then. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, organized crime uh, kosher Nostra operation there. Well, there are a lot of disasters in 2023. Let's start them. And in, in, in a bunch of the suspicious ones. Uh, Turkey um, had a huge crisis with the U.S. empire. And like three days later, after the crisis came to a head, suddenly three days later, there was this massive, horrendous earthquake that hit Turkey. And various people expressed uh, suspicions about that. Then uh, in Morocco, not long after I got to Morocco this summer, there was a horrendous earthquake in the mountains out sort of southwest or southeast of Marrakesh. And most people were, were not quite that suspicious about that. However, it's interesting that it, there was this Israeli rabbi who said that the earthquake happened because the king of Morocco had called for East Jerusalem being the Palestinian capital. So they're not even, you know, they're not satisfied with Morocco reaching out to Israel, bending over backwards, normalizing with them, you know, going the whole nine yards. But no, just because Moroccan government, you know, like everybody else in the world, thinks East Jerusalem should be a Palestinian capital, uh, we're going to hit you with an earthquake weapon. I, I don't know if the rabbi did that, but it's it's kind of a, a annoying when he says things like that. And then finally, in, in Tunisia, there was this flood that was even worse than a Moroccan earthquake. Uh, and uh, once again, we have suspicions uh, being voiced that the city that got hit in Tunisia uh, is is the uh, uh, politically uh, uh, very, very important and something that you know the, the that you know it raised suspicions in various quarters so so we had these three events in the islamic world the turkey quake the morocco quake and the libya flood all horrendously destructive and uh and somewhat suspicious how suspicious i think that the moroccan earthquake was the result of uh, morocco giving political asylum to kevin barrett it's obvious there's an obvious <laughs> oh, man, obvious connection hmm. well i it's look it's it seems obvious to me i mean you know <laughs> 
We, okay, we, used well, to, we some people would say this is the post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy, but I think that's uh, I just think there's too much, too much. It's too suspicious to me. Well, I, I've been accused of things uh, by the ADL, and I'm getting accused of things by the ADL's arch enemy, Dr. E. Michael Jones. We'll move on. Well, from you, those, you've uh, always you've always considered yourself an earth-shaking journalist, so why? It's obvious that that. Would... Okay, well, you just broke this earth-shaking story. Uh, but these, yeah. Anyway, series of of horrible disasters across the um, Islamic MENA region this year, and back in the homeland, there was a very weird uh, kind of. Well, this is the disaster in Ohio, in East Palestine. Uh, which kind of foreshadowed the destruction of Palestine later in the year was weird because it was foreshadowed by Dan DeLillo's novel White Noise. And it's exactly the same thing. There were, the novel is set in Ohio. It ha the reality happened in Ohio. In the novel, it, there's a gigantic train wreck. And uh, in the uh, and, and in the film, the film just came out in, I believe, in early 2023. Uh, so in both the film and in reality, there was this train wreck that created a huge toxic chemical spill and a huge black cloud arose and people had to be evacuated and in came hazmat guys in hazmat suits. So all of this, the reality exactly uh, you know, mirrored the film, uh, which came out earlier this year after White Noise, you know, written back in 1980, is like the biggest novel that's never been made into a film all these decades. Finally, they make it into a film and then it comes true precisely in a place called East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, now, are you a coincidence theorist here or a conspiracy theorist, Mike? I think uh, life imitates art. I think okay. that's, that's the that's the explanation. I don't know uh, other than that. I don't know how to explain this. I don't know how to explain this, especially if we're going to bring these into other natural disasters. I'm uh, as Obama would say, this is above my pay grade. Yeah, well, I wonder if that rabbi who inflicted the earthquake on Morocco inflicted this white noise redux, this, you know, white noise sequel on East Palestine, Ohio, as a foreshadowing of what they've been doing to Palestine. I don't know. Uh, that, again, that's above my pay grade, too. But we'll take note of that bizarre uh, disaster in East Palestine. Uh, how about Hawaii? Uh, people had uh, suspicions about that as well. Um, here's you know, a photo of how the, the trees don't burn, the houses burn. The debunkers say that's because the trees are full of water. That's what trees are, is they suck water out of the ground up into their trunks and leaves. I don't know. Um, I've seen you know arguments on both sides, and I'm not enough of an expert on the physics of fires to know how suspicious this really is. If you, if you ask the question, Kui Bono, I think there's a clear motive here because these people, the natives were living on what is very valuable property, and this would drive the natives out and allow the uh, the billionaires to come in and buy up their property at fire sale prices. So it looks like a, an example of disaster capitalism to me. Yeah, well, you, that's what Cynthia McKinney famously said about Hurricane Katrina, which uh, flooded out a lot of poor Black people so that New Orleans could be gentrified. And something similar seems to have happened in Hawaii. So, yeah, you know, that could be an unnatural disaster, just like uh, maybe East Palestine was. Who knows? Uh, natural, unnatural, hard to tell these days. Uh, and here's another possibly unnatural disaster, which is that people are dying in greater numbers. And an even bigger disaster is that nobody wants to know why. I mean, our institutions 
are supposed to protect us. And they're supposed to be interested if something like this happens, but they're not. They're looking the other way. What's up with that? I think it has to do with with COVID, with the vaccine. Uh, so they, you know, you had uh, one thing that happened this year was athletes in the peak of their condition dropping dead on the floor of heart attacks. Uh, and then suddenly the journalists come up and say it's a sudden adult uh, death syndrome or something like that. They invented a term to uh, deal with something that they didn't want to talk about. Yeah, sudden death, uh, sudden adult death syndrome. That's that's pretty sad uh, as an excuse for. But yeah, so Jonathan Cook here, who's one of the last real journalists left, uh, makes a great point, which is that of all of these scandalous aspects to COVID, he left off the you know likelihood that it was a U.S. bio attack on China. I won't get into that. But the, all of these scandalous aspects, mishandling uh, uh, Pfizer's research into its vaccine and on and on and on, the adverse events that were covered up, uh, the, the uh, facts that masks don't work, that all the scientific evidence shows that, they, that masks are useless, yet they're forcing everybody to wear them. Uh, the cost of lockdowns were grossly underestimated and, and, and covered up. But you question any aspect of any of this, you get deplatformed. So there are all of these COVID scandals and the biggest one, he says, is the excess deaths. We're still suffering from them. And again, nobody knows why. Now, there aren't enough of them that it's going to solve the population problem. And we're not going to get depopulation from this. But still, just the fact that there are these significant excess deaths, especially the ones among young people, it's pretty concerning. Yeah, this could be a scenario, too, because Harvard uh, had a, a meeting where they discussed precisely what happened uh, at covid so they were thinking about the, along these lines uh, to begin with. So it's much more plausible, I think, with COVID than it is with, uh, I don't know, Palestine. I, I, don't, I can't figure that one out. But it's clear here that they were already talking about it. Okay. And there were, and there were Hollywood movies about it as well. Yeah. Well, they were, they were pushing for, you know, the big pandemic is going to require an international response. We better put some teeth in these international organizations. And you know, speaking of which, we didn't mention in our list of stories the uh, attempts to uh, create a pandemic treaty that would basically put the next pandemic under the control of an international body and erode national sovereignties. But that was a big story of 2023, too. And it's continuing on into 2024. And meanwhile, none of these COVID scandals have been dealt with and uh, excess deaths are up and nobody in officialdom wants to find out why. Uh, it all looks pretty bad. Um, it, speaking of, of uh, depopulation, uh, you know, there are some of the so-called conspiracy theorists who, again, often turn out to be right, think that COVID was all about depopulation. And some of them think that it was actually the vaccines that are designed to do the job, you know, with fertility dropping, excess deaths rising, so on and so forth. Uh, I think the jury is maybe still out on that. But speaking of depopulation, this was a really interesting article at the UNS Review by Eugene Kusmiak that I thought was worth throwing on our list of important stories of 2023. Because it alerted me to the fact that, you know, if you're thinking demographically, you really should notice that the collapse of average family sizes, collapse of numbers of children per woman across the world, and especially the Western world, means not so much that humans are going to disappear, or go extinct, you know, go into, you know, radically shrink in population, but rather it's the population is going to recover. It's going to rebound from this. Why? Well, because family size is, is uh, heritable, whether it's through culture, through genes, what have you. That means that people have the big families now, 
their kids are more likely to have big families. Their kids are more likely to have big families. So a couple generations hence, the only people left basically are going to be the people from those groups that kept having big families, even under all of these social pressures and so on that we have today to not have such big families. So that means, well, I guess you, Mike, the Catholics to some extent, some Catholics, the hardcore Catholics, the Amish, the uh, extremists uh, in Israel and other, and certain Muslim groups as well, the religious people who have, still have big families are going to inherit the earth. And basically all the secular people will not leave any progeny. That's right. You're absolutely right. So in terms of the Catholics, the Catholics who followed the church's teaching and uh, did not use contraception, they will inherit the earth because the other people just check themselves out. Uh, I gave a talk once about, uh, my, my son went to Harvard uh, I gave a talk about the prime uh, requirement to get into Harvard, which is existence. If you don't exist, you can't get into Harvard. And my son got to Harvard because the people who founded it ceased to exist because they got involved in contraception and they did not uh, they did not survive. So they had to go through and rake through the rubbish, as Jefferson said, find out people in the hinterlands, even if they're Catholic. And that's that's the story. <laughs> Demography is destiny. Demography is destiny. You heard it here first right here on False Flag Weekly News. Well, 2023 was also the year that AI went mainstream and uh, and everybody started panicking. Well, maybe not everybody, but uh, I think AI actually is somewhat worrisome. Not that it's necessarily ever going to be truly conscious or even truly intelligent, but it's going to be able to do all kinds of very powerful things that could really uh, have disastrous effects. Um, I know you're probably not as worried about this as I am, Mike. Why not? No, I'm not worried at all because uh, no one can. <laughs> if AI did what I did, the world would be a better place. And so it's not going to happen. But uh, it's it, I think it was the hidden story of uh, the Hollywood uh, writers strike because uh, AI mm -hmm. was going to replace the writers. Well, the point here is if if things have become so formulaic, that uh, your job as a writer is threatened, you're probably not a good. You're probably not a good writer. Uh, the same thing is true of uh, music. I'm convinced that the gym where I work out, it's AI music. I'm convinced because the music was so formulaic to to begin with. I think Taylor Swift so, is AI. I, I think Time Magazine may be. May very well be. So the the other problem is that AI. Uh, we went went through this thing where. Uh, the uh, you asked AI with GP uh, Chat GPT uh, how many how many Jews died in the Holocaust and uh, it said six million and what happened they were cremated and how long does it take so it turns out that AI told uh, the answer to the question was it took eighty seven years to cremate six million Jews well that's Holocaust denial and a computer did it so what are you going to do about that you better deplatform Chat GPT. <laughs> That's right. This is the this is the, another bind that they're in. Do you know what I mean? So if you if you want to be a robot uh, and work for the mainstream press, chances are you're going to be replaced by AI, by a real robot. And it's going to be a while before they can program AI to do what you and I do here on False Flag Weekly News. Uh, if that ever happens, it'll be a kind of red pill singularity, and I guess uh, that would be uh, really scary for certain people. Anyway, uh, let's look at the survivors. Uh, who, who are the survivors? Well, the Holocaust survivors, Mike. Uh, uh, I, this was one of my favorite headlines from 2023. Urgent need to build UK Holocaust Memorial now before survivors die, says Pickles. <laughs> so 
Uh, Lord Pickles is the guy uh, leading the push to building this immense uh, Holocaust museum complex in uh, these underground rooms, I think it is. Yeah, underground galleries uh, to examine Britain's reaction right. to the Holocaust. Right. Uh, and, and so all of these Holocaust survivors, Ibi Knill, all these people have funny names. Uh, Harry Bibring, uh, Freddie Knoller, I guess that one's not that funny. But anyway, all of these these Holocaust survivors are about to die at the age of close to 100. So we've got to get this thing built before they die, says Lord Pickles. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're going to build and the Ed biggest... Balls. Don't, don't forget his friend. His second in command is Ed Balls. Yeah, well, it takes one to know one. Pickles but, and uh, Balls. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to build the biggest battleship uh, just at the time when the aircraft carrier arrived. And we're going to build the biggest aircraft carrier just at the time that the missiles arrived. And we're going to build the biggest Holocaust museum just at the time uh, in time to celebrate the fact that I wrote a book called The Holocaust Narrative. So it's the cunning of reason once again. So it's a conspiracy to publicize your book, The Holocaust. Absolutely. Narrative. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you've said it. I, I'm I hope they're, they're going to sell it in the museum gift shop. That's right. Have you talked to Lord Pickles <laughs> and Ed Balls? <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on from Pickles, Balls, and Holocaust Museums. Moving on to the Trans Day of Vengeance. Um, 2023 was a very weird year in a number of respects, as I'm sure you know if you've watched the show this far. But uh, it, it's getting weirder even now. Uh, at least our show's getting weirder because we're talking about the Trans Day of Vengeance. Uh, it, it, well, when did America start having national holidays called things like the Trans Day of Vengeance? Uh, very recently. Uh, <laughs> one of the surprising things that happened this year was understanding the, the amount of violence that is involved with transgenderism. Uh, but when when you think about it, it's only logical because what these people did was so violent against their bo their own bodies that it 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 upped the level of general violence in the culture, and they became part of the uh, uh, the, the the shooting the shooting crowd. So those John Waters crowd. movies starring Divine, like Pink Flamingos and Female Trouble, turned out to be kind of uh, you know accurate, almost prophetic. Yeah, it's it's very it's a function of the violence they do to themselves. Okay, well, uh, I, I personally will no longer be uh, celebrating Trans Day of Vengeance now that I'm here in Morocco, where they don't have that on the calendar. Uh, well, alhamdulillah, uh, Robert Malone is wondering about this violence and and you know transsexualism and violence that you mentioned. Uh, but they're they're selling T-shirts apparently, trans rights T-shirts with guns. So you're not the only one who's noticed this. Uh, <laughs> And then there's the trans violence over in Ukraine, where the Ukrainians hired this uh, person. Uh, what was that person's uh, name? Uh, uh, I don't remember. Anyway, uh, he or she or whatever uh, got in big trouble for threatening to hunt down and kill anybody who dissents from Ukrainian propaganda orthodoxy, including journalists and such. So uh, again, yeah, this it's the, the attack of the tr killer trannies was one of the themes of 2023. Will 2024 get even weirder? I can't imagine how. No, the violence will increase because that's the only solution when you uh, uh, go away from reason and logos and the rule of law and all those other things. So obviously violence is going to increase. Okay. Well, uh, that's a unfortunately a, probably an accurate prediction. Uh, another great headline from 2023 was the gay Ukrainian Jewish animal rights activist 9-11 survivor descended from Holocaust survivors. He got elected to Congress, 
But now uh, he's finally getting indicted and expelled from Congress. Uh, we're talking about George Santos, of course, and uh, he's uh, on the record saying a lot of uh, crazy things. But now George Santos, right, finally got he's getting expelled from Congress and all this stuff. He just he made up this entire background of exactly what's perfect for getting elected to Congress, right? Gay, Ukrainian, Jewish, animal rights, 9-11 survivor, Holocaust survivor, all of that stuff. Uh, but apparently he laid it on just a little bit too thick. He should have said, I identify as a gay Ukrainian Holocaust. <laughs> what can they say at that point, right? They if you identify. identify. He said, that's the way. He didn't frame it properly. I, no. I identify as all those things. If a man can identify as a woman, why can't he identify as someone who was a, a Holocaust uh, survivor or a relative of a Holocaust survivor? Why not? What's the well, difference? You not give people ideas, Mike, because somebody watching the show you know, might be young and impressionable. It might become the next George Santos, except that they uh, they identify as everything. Well, George Santos also maybe part of the reason that he finally got expelled and, and indicted and all that stuff is that he insulted the Jews. He used a four-letter uh, word uh, about what happens when you sit in a room full of Jews, and then he put on a fake Yiddish accent and told an anti-Semitic joke and got himself in big trouble. <laughs> yes. So you got to keep straight who you're identifying as. That's that's, that's the right. moral of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, and he, he Remember when, when he was accused of lying about being Jewish, which he's not, uh, he said, well, I'm not Jewish, I'm Jew-ish. So he stuck a hyphen in there. But like you said, a hyphen isn't good enough. you got to say, I identify no. as a Jew. That's right. That's the whole story in a nutshell. Okay, so next year, 2024, just make sure you only identify. Well, if you're an ET, you'd better make sure, make it clear that you identify as an alien, uh, a space alien. Um, that's our advice to you space aliens out there who are watching False Flag Weekly News and cheering about the fact that 2023 was the year that the U.S. Congress finally took seriously a whistleblower's allegations that the U.S. military is in possession of numerous crashed flying saucers from outer space and other dimensions. Uh, the guy's name is Charles David Charles Grush, and uh, he's a, a geospatial intelligence agency NRO guy who worked with the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force with top clearance levels. He supposedly knows all this stuff. He supposedly blew the whistle, and the mainstream media actually gave him respectful attention, as has Congress, and there are a whole lot of people in Congress who actually believe this now. So is this just the world going crazy, or is the world finally facing up to the reality of ETs? What do you think, Mike? No, it happened before. Uh, the National Enquirer accused uh, a number of senators of being aliens, <laughs> and the senators all replied by saying, yes, it's true, we are aliens. So it's already been, it's already been admitted. It's and, old stuff. Uh, it's old stuff. I mean, you should, you people should be reading the National Enquirer more religiously. You would have been surprised by this story. Okay. Uh, National Enquirer is where you go to find uh, the truth these days. And uh, cer you're certainly not going to the mainstream media to find the truth. But uh, False Flag Weekly News is uh, doing its best to ferret out what's really going on. So thank you so much, Dr. E. Michael Jones, for helping run down the stories of 2023, looking ahead to 2024. Uh, God bless uh, and have a good New Year, Miladi. Uh, take care. Happy New Year. Okay, Happy New Year. Right back at you. Bye-bye.